You are listening to TJ Talks. Be aware, this show contains explicit language. Four point seven KMT Los Angeles. Here we are, KMT show. <laughs> All right. Don't reference KMT. That makes me sound old because <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, that was kind of like my inspiration for wanting to be a DJ back in the day. I always I listened. Really? to KMT. Yeah. Wasn't Rick D's? No, that was Kiss. Right, but still, I mean, he was the most popular DJ. Oh, no, I used to listen, like, on Sunday night, like, after Dr. Demena went off. Then oh, they, yeah. Then they would have this talk show, call-in talk show. Right. And I would listen all the time, and these people would call in with all their problems and all this kind of stuff. And this guy would be just totally, you know, listening to people. And sometimes people would call in, and they would tell, like, you know, there was a ghost in my house and it was crazy or some girl would call up and she'd be like, I'm going to kill myself. And this guy had to just deal with all of these phone calls. It was crazy. So I would, I would love that job. I would absolutely love to be a radio call in analyst or whatever. I think that'd be awesome. But you know, everything now is geared towards entertainment rather than, trying to just right. be a public access. And so that was one of those back in the seventies and eighties public access shows. <laughs> Nobody should have access to the public. Everybody in the public is screwed up. We should just know that. <laughs> yes. And that's a awesome segue. How do you get back on track? <laughs> Don't we have to do our opening? Oh, I guess we do. Hold on. Well, you have to do the opening. Okay. Yeah, it's been so long. We're out of practice. Uh, yeah. All right. Welcome to TJ Talks. I am Judd. And I'm Teresa. Hey, and uh, we are here to talk about a whole bunch of great stuff today. We have like a laundry list because it's been uh, a little bit of time since we've checked in with you guys and talked and about. we have some, a lot of dirty laundry. D- a lot of dirty laundry. So things are going pretty good, but we're both busy, but we definitely needed to check in here. And so here we are. We're going to be talking about a bunch of things. Should I run through some of the list of what we're going to talk about? Yeah, give us give us the hit parade of what's coming up. All right. We're going to be talking a little bit about hypnosis. We're going to be talking lexicons and word usage in our current American language. A little bit of Shark Week. Talk about the wiki guy from the United States, Manning, who uh, uh, was sentenced today. Uh, The new iPhone comes out in box zero, and I have a mystery envelope, and if we have some time, we might talk about some movies. We'll see how that goes. Mystery envelope. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. So what was the first thing on that list? <laughs> uh, well, 
something about hypnosis and oh yes okay yes something very near and dear to my heart and my subconscious apparently so um i don't know first of all do you believe in hypnosis judge i will say yes i do believe in it i I do believe in it to uh a certain extent right right to to a certain extent and let's say we've all seen those, you know, Comedy Central specials where the guy gets on the TV and makes some guy, you know, cluck like a chicken or act ridiculous in a hypnosis act or whatever, right? We've all seen that done. I've, I've whether... seen it live at least three separate occasions. And when you've seen it live, do you feel like those people are plants or do you feel like they're just feeble-minded or do you feel like it's real? I, I totally feel it's real. Okay. I do too, Right. So here's my my personal experience with hypnosis is watching Dr. Oz, which right there should send up giant red flags to y'all. Well, for me um, it does, but <laughs> I know his his advice I wouldn't send my worst enemy to him as a doctor probably, but I do I do enjoy watching the show because who doesn't want to know, you know, the five ways to bust belly fat the quickest, right? <laughs> so he had on a gentleman who's a British citizen uh paul mckenna and if you google him you'll find eons and oodles of links and things to videos and books etc that he's put out about hypnosis and he had a show on british television doing just that making people cluck like chickens making them act ridiculous that sort of thing um but he has this self-help and awareness set of books slash audio cds um about self-hypnosis for all kinds of things. One's for confidence, one's for, you know, productivity and abundance in life. And then all of these weight loss ones, right? And, you know, my eternal struggle with the scale. And truly, I I just think truly it's just my, you know, thing that that's just what's wrong with me. And that's what I'm always going to be dealing with. But ultimately, the scale or the the weight loss ones, I listen to them at night and then in the morning. And he takes you on this little mental journey. And, of course, he's narrating it. And I liken it really more to guided meditation than I do to actual hypnosis. And I don't know if you feel there's much of a difference between them, but I I do. I don't know how you feel about oh, that. I, yeah, I totally feel there's a difference. Totally. Right? Yeah, because, I mean, if you think about it, uh, there's lots of books, help uh, self-help books on meditation and and centering and what you think the difference, you know, the purpose is changing behaviors, right? Right, right. Now, the what we see in those shows, and I am still baffled. I don't get it. I do not understand how it even works, how that they can put a suggestion in a person's mind as quick as they are able to do in a stage show and make people do and behave and respond in the way they do. I don't get that. But I do understand how you can think about something in a relaxed mode and own it that uh, over time. Like when you do like a, right. a, a 30 minute session of relaxing and, and thinking about how you're going to improve yourself. That's to me, that's different. That's meditation where like those guys on stage, that's like two minutes. It's like, bing. Uh. <laughs> So interestingly enough, I'm not a good meditator, 
because A, I don't like to sit still and B, I'm just too antsy and I feel like I cannot turn off my brain, right? Like it's very hard to just go to your happy place and sit cross-legged and ohm yourself into some peaceful, tranquil mental space. I can't do that. And frankly, I don't want to do that. But this particular guided meditation trance-like state is very for me, it's very real. And he takes you through it, and it's about 25 minutes each time. And I seem to be doing it, you know, like first thing in the morning when I wake up and then last thing at night before I go to bed. And what's interesting is that you – I wouldn't call it sleep. I wouldn't call it being awake. It's a very it – trance. It's a trance-like state, which is strange to say that you're in, right? Although I can come in and out of it because you get disrupted or you do whatever. But his thing about – uh, for the weight loss specifically, he talks about, you know, limiting your appetite, which absolutely plants that seed in your subconscious for the next day. And then I even ridiculously um, got his one called hypnotic gastric bypass. <laughs> because Lord knows, I don't want to have any real surgery. I just want to just mental surgery. And um, and so he, he through the hypnosis trance, he, he teaches you about um, – you know, cutting off your appetite so it shrinks your stomach, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, long story short, have I lost an ounce? I don't think so. But I do enjoy the quiet, you know, sort of transcendental time. It feels a little, hey, wow, I'm kind of out there. It's helping me fall asleep. It's made me break my horrible habit of falling asleep with TV on. Do you oh. do that? I listen to podcasts. You fall asleep without any electronic no, devices? No, with podcasts. Oh, you listen to podcasts. I fall asleep. So, okay. And so, so it's, it's dark in the room, and I and the podcasts go off in about an hour or so. So okay. sometimes I'll listen to Wall Street Journal, or I don't know what I'm listening to. <laughs> Some, right, right. Yeah. But something, right? Yeah. yeah there's the, some sort of this American stimulus life. almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And although it's relaxing to you, it's not – completely peaceful. So, so it's an interesting thing for me. I've always had to have TV on to fall asleep or felt like I did. So mm -hmm. this has been a nice way to break that habit. And I do think I sleep better and I hate it when those things are true, right? Like they, the feng shui people or whatever say, don't have TV in your room because you won't have sex anymore and you won't fall asleep and sleep normal. Well, <clears throat> I have plenty of sex with the TV on, so I don't have any problems <laughs> with that. <laughs> I do feel like um, I do feel like falling asleep without the TV and then not waking up at three in the morning with it blasting on and you have to turn it off. I think that's a good thing. So yeah. whether or not, like I said, I ever lose an ounce, whether I'm really being hypnotized or if I'm just falling asleep like I would naturally, I think it's kind of fun. I'm supporting this guy. Uh, it's Paul McKenna. You know, it's my newest, latest and great, greatest uh, life change plan. Which is slowly but surely not working. I, I I just want you to know, Penn and Teller have on one of their bullshit shows that they did. Uh, uh -huh. They did a thing where a lady was going for hypnosis to make her boobs bigger. Oh, <laughs> did it work? No. <laughs> but, but, I was going to say, even I'm not as much of a sap to fall for that. <laughs> but, but if there's a book and an audio CD on it, and if it works, I'd give it a try. <laughs> Okay, so yes, um, and so you can Google that. I'm sure you, I know a bit. Just about every every one of their funny clips is on YouTube. <laughs> so worth it. Worth just checking out for the humor there. YouTube, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, 
random segue about YouTube. I've become such a YouTube addict. My kids are all about, you know, looking at these goofy videos, and we just daily laugh about YouTube stuff. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now with these smart TVs, they have YouTube built into them. And uh, if you have a YouTube account, you plug your YouTube account in, and you can uh, you know, save it as a favorite and then pull it up on the TV and hit play, and then you can watch it on the big screen. Oh, good to know. We just purchased a smart TV last weekend, uh-huh. so yeah, which was nice because we had a very, very dumb TV before. So, <laughs> so that's an easy way to surf the YouTube on your TV. Sometimes, if you don't have a keyboard and you know, and you don't like to keep hitting, you know, the, the, I, I don't understand why the remote controls for TVs are like tele, uh, telephones of ten years ago. Twelve keys. That's it. <laughs> Heck. You know, you got to navigate A, B, C. It's ridiculous, right? <laughs> it is. They should just give you a keyboard with your TV. <laughs> yes. I, why is this? Why do we get this? And the people at Sanyo and JVC don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's next on the list? Well, the next on the list is, you know, I was at Toastmaster meeting last night where I competed in the evaluation contest. And it, was the humorous speech. And won. I did. I won first place. Yes, don't forget that part. You won. You kicked some Toastmaster ass. I did. And, and it was a great speech, too, the lady gave on Starbucks. So, oh, what perfect topic for you. I know. So I was totally entranced. I was right on it. I took my notes. I didn't even need the five minutes extra to do the evaluation. I was like, here you go. <laughs> Handed my paper in. Okay, so when you were done, yeah. and you can be honest because nobody listens to this. Right. When you were done, you said, I won this. Like, you knew it, right? Oh, yeah, I knew it. See? I love that. I love yeah. that you're that confident. I love it. Yeah. But, I mean, I was like, even standing up there to speak, you just, yeah, I had this. So, <laughs> so I was talking to the this one guy in our club, and he is a comedian, and he's very he's very good, and but sometimes I think of funny things, and I thought I'd share this funny thing, and I hate this word. I hate these new words that people create. Like, and the one that really bugs me is this term selfies. What the hell are selfies? And who made this crap up? And and mind you, I have done the research. It is only two thousand five, and one photographer used it in a book. Oh, is that the origin of yes, it? Yes, yes. Oh, good to know. Okay. Yeah. So it, this is kind of a bullshit word, selfies. And, okay, but let's let's define this. That your problem is with the word, not with the act, because you take plenty of selfies. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, it, this is a th- and and this goes back to a, another podcast that I love from Slate called Lexicon Valley. If you uh-huh. get a chance to listen to that, then and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I mean, there's other words like hoodies only came out in. Uh, in the 1990s, the term hoodies. Okay. The the garment had been around for a hooded uh, a sweatshirt has been around for years, but they coined the phrase hoodie like later. <laughs> you know, just it's a recent phenomena. <laughs> well, I think two things. First of all, when you think about it, and you know, Vincent Van Gogh did not paint a selfie. Right. Like you have to use the formal term self-portrait in reference in reference to anything artistic in nature. Mm -hmm. I think I think the reason hoodie and selfie are 
as prevalent as they are is because they're referring to very casual, very easily accessible things, right? Everybody's got that hooded sweatshirt. Everybody <laughs> takes a million pictures of themselves in a state of dress or undress. <laughs> I mean, we all like have pa- this. panties. But panties <laughs> is not because panty casual, easily accessible. <laughs> That is one of those words that I'm not fond of. Like some people have words they don't like to hear. I don't yeah. love to hear that word panties. I'd rather say underwear. Yeah. Or thong or G-string if you want to talk about women's, you know, undergarments. But panties is just sort of, I don't know, it just sounds kind of. Weird. It does. It does. It does sound weird. I mean, I'm not sure the origin of that word. I didn't look that one up. But I mean, there's just all of these words that we just add a Y or I-E-S, you know, because that's how we pluralize a you know, a word that ends in Y. And it seems like we just do that. Like it's a cute thing that we do to words. So that way we can create our own vernacular. Well, it's like adding, right. It's like adding gate to the ending of any scandal or any problem. Right. It's, you know, um, absolutely. That is the exact same thing. That is the exact. And I have a problem with that. I think that that's, uh, it's a cop out. <laughs> I guess it's a cop out, but I think it certainly puts whatever you're talking about into that frame of reference, right? Like that. Oh, you know, that's a problem if it's um, hell. Like and I ran contra gate or what were the Clinton um, hell? I can't even remember some of the names of them, but you know what I'm talking about because we use it on the end of everything. Everything, problem. yeah. I mean, and I guess my whole point is like. Uh, the the Watergate scandal was because of a hotel called the Watergate. Right, right. Gate doesn't mean scandal, but now it does. It's, now it does. Yeah, exactly. Which goes to talk about, literally, we can talk about anything. <laughs> because, because the word literally has been now redefined by the dictionary as meaning... Not literally. People use it. It, it's, it means the opposite of what literally really means. Well, and I love the way people either say literally or literally. <laughs> like that bugs me too when people go literally. I literally would have blown my brains off. <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> I know. I think I'm a little bit guilty of that one, so I have to watch it. Um <laughs> And, I, and what you're trying to do when you use that expression is to really be uh, – to emphasize, right, oh, the fact yeah. that you were taking it very seriously and it absolutely went down this way. Yeah. But it's not the correct use of the phrase. I literally would have eaten 300 hard-boiled eggs <laughs> and downed it with 25,000 cups of coffee. Literally. <laughs> literally. Literally. <laughs> oh, gosh. Mm, yes. So <laughs> – Okay, so selfies yeah. in the news, right? Yeah. That's become a big to-do because I think uh, – who uh, didn't the Queen of England recently take a selfie? That was what they said. It was like her first selfie. <laughs> did she use an iPhone? I think she did, yeah. Oh, I love, I love that. Um, I'm fine with the Queen taking a selfie. I'm fine with Wiener taking a selfie. Uh-huh. I just, I mean, that whole thing is blown over and talked out too much, but we all do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold on. 
Lord knows I'm not running for mayor anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> you know all what? Right. Uh, maybe that's what I would put on all my posters. <laughs> Literally, Li- I'm not running for mayor. <laughs> Uh, there's no mayor in my town because we don't even have a town. We're not incorporated. (laughs) Because you're in central Florida, Judd, and crazy shit goes on down there. A Florida man, literally. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So, talking about Florida, let's talk about Shark Week. (laughs) Yes. Do you know that right off the coast here where I live, between this county and the county north of me, which is Volusia County, more shark bites occur than anywhere else in the world. Wow, you're the mecca of shark bites? Shark bite bite mecca of the world, yeah. And are people killed by these shark bites or are they just maimed? I think mostly maimed. I haven't heard of any deaths lately, so. I have two questions about that that are unanswerable. If you were bitten by a shark, if well, I guess you could answer this. If you were bitten by a shark in the water, would you ever go in the ocean again? I'd be scared. I might go in my in, – in, in, at the – you know, put my feet in the water, but that's probably as close as I would get. But you'd have to think, okay, at that point you're kind of pre-disastered, right? Like what, what else could happen to you if you – because the odds of getting bit by a shark are pretty – pretty slim right well not over here because they have apparently a lot of bait fish that comes in and out of the area because we're the way that and this is why apparently we're we have a a river system and then we have a inner it's an intercoastal waterway so we have barrier islands up and down the coast okay and, and so a lot of feeder fish they're out in the intercoastal waterway and then they go out into the ocean they're kind of like a breeding ground going out to the ocean. And the sharks hang out just right off the barrier islands. And lots of people go surfing over here. And I, surfing in Cal, in Florida is way different than it is in California. You guys have waves. We have, like, swells. And <laughs> so, anyways, people kind of go right, out there. Right. And, and they sit on their surfboards and they're dangling on their surfboards. And, of course, sharks see that as, hey, lunch. <laughs> And okay. Well, I, you know, just a quick Google. You know, the chance of being killed by a shark in the U.S. Uh, is far less than dying from bee sting or a snake bite, right? So maybe you guys are running the the running the table, so to speak, on shark bites. Uh-huh. But in general, the rest of us would probably more likely die in a swimming pool or something than have a shark bite. Absolutely. But what about the dreaded megalodon bite? Are we going to get? Are we going to be overrun with megalodons? Is that what happened on Shark Week? I don't know what happened. I, you know, I didn't watch. I know that there were people at my work who were Shark Week, Shark Week. You know, and last year they did, they did a thing about uh, mermaids. Mermaids are real, <laughs> and this time they did. I guess this megalodon. Right. Yeah. And megalodons are extinct. Yeah. Yeah, right? Which Mm -hmm. they're ridiculously and they're extinct. So I don't know who the folks at Discovery Channel think they're fooling or people believing this. Like, it's it's a disservice if they're going to be an informative channel. (laughs) I don't know. I I think that they just run out of stuff. I mean, I'm surprised they don't just show the whole Jaws series to start off Shark Week. (laughs) And and I, I do love the fact that I don't know one person that watched Shark Week, but we all know that it happened. Uh-huh. 
I think that's funny. Well, and then, of course, to precede Shark Week is that Sharknado movie event on the Sci-Fi Channel, <laughs> which I did not watch either. Yes, uh, my family watched Sharknado, and it was terribly awesome. Was it? Well, I'll have to watch it when it's and on And the Tara Netflix. stands for the <laughs> Tara Reed Awesome. <laughs> She's horrible, oh. but oh well. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, but did you hear that they discovered a sea serpent or a carcass of one? Or I don't know. No it's way. It's not a sea serpent. It's not a sea serpent. They think it's either an oarfish or a giant uh, great white carcass. But something floated up on the Spanish coasts today or within a couple of days ago really? wow. and it stunk so bad and was so large they had to have several people examine it and they were trying to determine if it was a oarfish or some kind of great white shark carcass and the interesting thing about it is that people were speculating that it was some sort of sea monster or sea serpent and there's been supposedly uh, a you know a, a new uh hash of sightings of these sorts of things so you know, mm, I, I see a picture of it. Yeah. For those of us that believe in Bigfoot, yeah, <laughs> you want to believe in the Loch Ness monster, right? Like it's just a natural thing. I think when we grew up in the seventies and the In Search of um, TV series was on, we were always l- talking about yeah, Bigfoot, love that show. Oh yeah, Loch Ness, UFOs, like those are the things that are really. The scares in my life that, you know, global warming and terrorism, whatever, but Bigfoot and UFOs, UFOs. Are a big deal to me. <laughs> it, 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 I don't, I'm, I'm sure that well, between Leonard Nimoy narrating and the fact that they did lots of UFO shows, right? It, you know, that's why we all think that UFOs are real. <laughs> they have to be real, right? They wouldn't it, make a TV show about it. Well, I oh. mean, you have to trust Leonard Nimoy. I mean, he's a right? Vulcan. He doesn't lie. Vulcans don't lie. <laughs> And that was back when you could trust TV, and now you can't because the shark, you know, Shark Week showed the Megalodon show, which wasn't real. Was not real. Oh. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the picture of this sea creature. It it is like an overgrown, fishy serpent-looking thing. Right. It looks like a Loch Ness sea monster. Yeah, what you would kind of think, but it's although it's it, not near Scotland. No, but it's it doesn't look like a dinosaur. Like that seems to be what they kind of suggest. The Loch Ness monster has more of a bulbous belly and is more reptilian. This looks definitely like a fish. A fish like, like right? A, yeah. Like a long, snaky fish with scales. Even I don't they know. They said it smelled horrible. Oh, I bet it does. <laughs> 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 Did you encounter any weird sea life in your mariner days as a submariner? Uh, not that I'm aware of because we don't have windows on submarines. <laughs> well, the ones at Disneyland do. I thought I, you guys had them too. Yeah, I know. No, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, that would make you claustrophobic. No windows? No windows. And no doors. No doors. <laughs> and it's up to you to find a way out. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, enough of our uh, talk of the sea. What else is on our hit parade? All right. So Manning, the wiki, one of the people leaking material to the WikiLeaks guy, he uh, was a private or corporal or some crap in the army, got 35 years in uh, prison, Leavenworth. He's going to make Little Rocks back into Big Rocks, apparently. Right. 
that's a tough job, you know. <laughs> it is making license plates for giving the secrets to Julian Assange, right? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, like to say his name, and and I'm surprised because you know he could have gotten death. It is treason, or they wanted it to be treason. Like, what? How did he get off of it not being treason? Uh, you know, I forgot what the story was, but he didn't get the everything. They they actually um, said he wasn't guilty of some stuff that he was oh, charged with. Yeah, and the other thing is thirty. Think about this: thirty five years. The guy is probably about twenty. Let's say he's twenty five. Yeah. So thirty five. He could be out when he turns sixty. Yeah. He'll be he'll be a free man in some time. And in that 35 years, he definitely could have this fan club of women that may want to. Uh, oh, he's going to have so many conjugal visit requests. Oh. They all do in prison. Well, Even the most heinous axe murderers do. But, you know, he's kind of a hero to these extremist uh, folks who are, you know, f- freedom of information at any cost kind of thing. So they see him as kind of a martyr going down for the cause. Now, what will happen in, you know, 10 years from now or 20? I I think that you're, he's not going away anytime soon out of the, the spotlight of uh, America's freedom of information and stuff like that. We're going to hear a lot about him and over the next 20 years easily from security experts and how to, you know, keep secrets safe to, what kind of information should be allowed to be publicly accessed. So, um, and then his case is different than Snowden's. Why Snowden wasn't in the military, right? Right. Well, and Manning didn't flee the country. Well, Manning actually provide this is what I understand. And I'm not reading off of any thing here, but as I understand it, Manning provided, hundreds of thousands of digital documents to a foreign, essentially a foreign power, which is a kind of a, that's a form of espionage. Right. Exactly. And uh, Snowden, what he did, as I understand it, is provide information to the press. And I think in his case, it was a foreign press, which was the London Times or one of those newspapers over there. Okay. About how our government does what it does. Okay. Which is classified. And that's what I understand is classified. It, I, it I don't like personally know. It seems like it's splitting hairs to me. Like, the, you know, the information is classified, be it governmental regulation or militaristic. It feels like it's the same kind of thing to me. I, I don't. Well, no, if you say that. I know that there is a person that's undercover working in this location or that there's a secret agreement between these two countries that say this. That's the kind of information Manning was giving out. And the information that, um, you know, the idea, this notion that the NSA records every conversation. So if we miss something here on our podcast, we can make a phone call and say, hey, did you get our you know that's the joke right 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 i i i'm not enough informed of the situation but i do feel like um you know he took the information from a classified computer whether or not he should have released it 
as publicly as it was released, I guess is probably the debatable point. And, and I don't know. I mean, we'll probably never know his real intention. Was it to cause harm to the people that he was releasing information about? Then in that regard, it's treasonous in my mind. If it was just to be informative, maybe it is freedom of information. I, you know, it's tough. I, I, I think, and, and <laughs> in my opinion is, hey, you, you sign a piece of paper that says, especially for a military guy, you promise to uphold the Constitution and obey the uh, officers appointed over you and, and all the rules. And some of those rules were, you don't do this kind of crap. <laughs> so you get punished for doing stuff that you weren't supposed to do. And that's the way it is. And, and he's not a whistleblower. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. No. Yeah. And 35 years, you know, according to everything I've read. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, I agree. So Manning's going down. Yeah. So anyways, that was kind of news. Uh, let's see. iPhone coming out. New iPhone coming out on September 10th, I believe. Is the, the new date. iPhone may make me a virgin again. Holy <laughs> smokes. <laughs> Can you hear the lightning? No, I, I may take this new iPhone as an opportunity to switch providers. Mm-hmm. And I've had this conversation with a few people talking about switching providers and it kind of sets off a little fear in them. Everybody gets unnerved by it because it's daunting. <laughs> what do you mean switch providers? How is that going to work? What's going to happen? Do you keep your number? Oh, you keep your number, right? I mean, that's supposedly, but know. I don't know for sure. I'm sure you do. But, but and that's my goal is yeah. to keep my number. But I do um I do think I'm going to give up I don't know it doesn't matter if we say their name Verizon for Virgin to see if it's going to work. Mhm. I'll be going from one V to another. But here's the thing. So it's, let's say that you buy your phone, right? And you yeah. buy it for, and you have no contract with Veri- uh, Virgin because that's yeah. the deal, right? No contract. You Correct. because you purchase your hardware. Every month is like the first time. That should be their logo. <laughs> or their slogan. That's great. And they're virgin. So that's they're yeah. vir- every month. It's like the first time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but let's say that it doesn't work out and you want to go back to Verizon. You don't have to go buy a new iPhone. You can take that iPhone and go run it on their network. Right. And be contract free. Right. Because you already own your phone. You say, all right, well, give me service. I got my phone. Hook me up. Okay. So that's good. So I always have an out. I believe you do, especially with the newer phones. They're all going to be, you know, multi-band world phones because Apple doesn't want to build five different phones, a Verizon phone and an AT&T phone and a T-Mobile phone. They they want to put all the transmitters and everything. So, you know, you just take that phone and go and put it on whatever network. All right. I'm going to take my Virgin device mm-hmm. and slide it in through the back door of Verizon if I tell my Virgin. <laughs> Uh-huh. So I don't know though what they're gonna do as far as the phones because there's lots of rumors. I don't know if you've heard. There's a iPhone 5C. They think they might come out with. What does the C stand for? I wonder. I don't know. It's, okay. I'm sure it's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> if we had anything to do with it, it would be mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. 5C. All right. And, and? Then, and then of course 5S to for speed. Okay. Right. And uh, and then some people think there'll be a six. 
So. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't there be, right? Mm-hmm. So there's okay. this thought of this long, um, or low cost iPhone. They think that might be what that C is. I don't know what the C is. Maybe it's cost. I thought it was just a copyright symbol that they didn't do right. <laughs> the no frills phone, maybe. Yeah, they, and there's some rumor that it may the they may offer a gold colored phone, golden like silver and gold as cases. Oh God! You know, uh, you know, along with black and white, silver and gold. You know. Okay. I, um, I, I don't. I am. I think that's color. It's not like actual gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's see what other rumors. Are you gonna see the Apple movie? The Ashton Kutcher, no. Steve Jobs movie. When it comes on Netflix or Rentable, I will not go to the movie. I, there's m- way better movies. And, and, you know, you just transitioned us straight into movies. So we're going to go there. Okay. <laughs> so. I think I want to see it. I know it's getting horrible reviews or whatever. Is it? But it's a fascinating story. And if it's somewhat, you know, the Steve Jobs book, then I'd, I'd like to see it. Well, I am going on record right now to say that I am not a big Steve Jobs fan. I love Apple products. I love all this stuff. But as a person, I don't think that he's on the top of my personality chart list. And, you know, I, yeah, he he's... Because the, he wasn't likable? I think that he, he... there's There were other people that work at Apple that I think could have brought more homogeny, maybe not brought the products to be as, as craft as, as the way that they are, but you know, I don't know who you are anymore, Judd. I don't even know why you would say that he changed the fucking world. And yes, he was an asshole, but most world changing people are assholes, right? Well, okay. Here's the thing. He didn't ever design any of these computers. Not a one. Oh, Okay. Steve Wozniak is the designer of the Apple II, or the Apple One, the Apple II. You know the Woz, the big, big guy yeah, yeah, yeah. with no, the beard. I Woz. Yeah, he's he's the guy. He's the Steve that you should like. I do like Steve. Well, I like the whole idea of it. That's why I'm saying I think they had that chemistry. They had that drive. I don't know. I mean, I just think he maybe he didn't do the coding or the programming, if that's what your beef is, but. If he wasn't as driven as he was about design and simplicity and message. Yeah. He's a marketing guy. We wouldn't guy. be having iPhones. He's a marketing guy. Oh, you're discrediting him. Uh, you know, well, you know, Jonathan Ives is the designer of the iPhone and the uh, MacBook, uh, MacBooks and all of this stuff. And in fact. Yeah, but. Mm-hmm. But when you read about what's his name with Steve Jobs with with the Gorilla Glass, right? The way yeah. he was such an asshole about getting that Gorilla Glass right. Yeah, I, I'm glad he did. I'm glad he was that giant jerk about it. I, uh, okay, he was horrible to those people, and I'm sorry for those people that worked for him. But God damn it, they made a really great product. Well, I I will give you that. I, I will definitely give you that. That st- there, I'm not saying that Steve Jobs has no redeeming value. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that he. I'm not. No, and, and, I'm not no. going to be standing around going Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, Steve. That you're not going to find me doing that. Sorry. 
Because everyone thinks because I love Apple that I'm that makes me a Steve Jobs fanboy. Fanboy. Um, <laughs> God, and now and I'm a Steve Jobs fanboy, and I don't you know I don't care one way or the other. Uh-huh. But I I do. I think I, because I'm secretly jealous and envious that someone can be that sort of shitty and that successful all at the same time that I want to believe you have to be one way or the other to get success. You can't be, you know, you can't be an asshole and that's successful. It won't work out in the universe, but sadly it does all the time. Yeah. There's definitely some, some assholes that are successful. And for for those of us, nice gals or nice Uh guys, like, you know, until we turn up, you know, the asshole volume, Uh we're stuck. Man, that's what I need to do. I'm taking a note here. When I go to work tomorrow, be more of an asshole. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> and it, seriously, it almost feels like that has to be your personal directive these days to be heard sometimes. <laughs> it's true. But, it's frustrating. Mm, so life lessons from Steve Jobs. Uh, <laughs> other movies. I, I saw Wolverine. I have to tell you, I love that movie. I really did. Mm. So over that character, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not going to agree with you on it. Okay, but, it's Hugh Jackman, who I appreciate as an artist and a performer, but I don't I don't love Wolverine. Really, you don't like him with his shirt off, huh? No, it just ain't happening. Mm. But uh, <laughs> but uh, he, they had some really uh, good looking ladies in that uh, movie, and the story was good, and and it was more story than special effects. So I was really happy with that. So I All right. That. Well, good. I'm glad Let, you like. Let's it. see. And then I saw what other movie? Oh, I saw Percy Jackson. Oh, okay. And I, it was okay. It, it wasn't like, oh my god, you got to go see Percy Jackson. It was just eh, okay. It's kid, okay. kind of a kids movie. But I was going to say it's a it's a tween thing. Right? Yeah, it's a tween thing. But I I like the first one because it was just fun. But I I didn't think that this one was quite as fun. And have you read those books? No, I should, but I, I've heard that they're better than the movies. And uh, let's see. And uh, I'm, I am reading a book, believe it or not. I'm reading a book. <laughs> Hold on. Let me sit down. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth are you reading? I'm trying to anyways. Ender's Game. Ender's Game. Okay. You'll, you'll hear all about this in about two months from now. Because when you the, finish the book? <laughs> when the movie comes out. <laughs> oh, the movie's coming out. <laughs> the movie's God, it coming might take you 60 days to read it. Uh, uh, um, apparently, right. apparently this book's been around for like 20 plus years. More, more maybe 30 or 40 years. Who knows? And it's... It sounds familiar to me. I haven't read it. It's a sci-fi deal. Uh, and there's a preview. If you go to the movies, see just about anything. Previews with Harrison Ford and... Uh, um, I can't think of the other guys, but uh, lots of famous people are in this movie. So it, it'll be, it's going to be a big, big to do Ender's game. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, the, the movie recommendation I, I have the sleeper hit of the summer, a movie called the way, way back. The way, and way it's back. a coming of age movie. Um, very, very sweet story about a young boy on the East Coast spending the summer with his mom who is divorced from his dad and who is dating and about to marry slash move in with Steve Carell 
and Steve Carell's daughter. There, you know, there's a divorced dad and his daughter, and um, the story is very interesting. It's very sweet. It was, you know, at Con or Sundance or whatever, and mm-hmm. did well. And um, just a really, really great movie. A good story. Some fun people in it. Um, Allison Janney is great in that. I, th- I think she's a very underrated, talented actress. And Tony Collette is the mom. She's really good. And then uh, she, the guy's name's uh, Sam Rockwell is also in it. And he's actually a fun Twitterer, too. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. No, really? Sam he's, Rockwell, yeah, huh? Yeah, Check and that out. he has a fun Twitter feed. And he's in it. He plays this really great character. So it's a very, like I said, a sleeper hit. And you really enjoy it. It'll be a good Netflix because you don't need a big screen to see it. It's not a summer blockbuster by any means, but it was very enjoyable, and I liked it way more than I thought I was, and I already knew I was going to like it. So, oh, good. Well, that's I will, my recommendation. I will check that out. And yeah, I, I there were some other movies I wanted to see, but I still have yet to see them. So I'll, they'll they'll be deferred at till some point. Right. We'll have to pull our Elysium was on the list, but I didn't get to see that. Oh, Elysium or whatever. Yeah, Elysium. Yeah. That, Matt Damon. Yeah. Looks good, but spooky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see the Woody Allen one. That's the one I want to see. Blue Moon. Blue Moon. Okay. Yes. So I want to see that. Or Blue Jasmine, excuse me, I think is what it's called. Oh, is it? Um, we had a Blue Moon yesterday. That's right. We did. We did. Yeah. So, okay. Cool. All right. So. I think knocking them off. We're knocking them off. We've got two, two more things left. So Inbox Zero. Inbox okay, Zero. are you familiar with this concept? Oh, it's it's only a concept because it can't happen. <laughs> Actually, I will tell you, I do have a sort of Inbox Zero thing going on at work, and I'll tell you how I do it and what I do. So um, go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, I'll try to make this brief, but it takes a moment to explain. A gentleman named David Allen has this um, – you know me, I'm all about self-help gurus, right? So to me, he's the organizational slash business acumen and self-help guru. And his whole thing is, you know, the way to live stress-free with work is to not have shit in your head, right? And I think any and all of us could go, oh, I got five things I didn't do. And what are those things? And then you sit down at your desk tomorrow and it's like, what am I doing? What's going on? Because we have no action, right? I make lists. Like I'm going, you know, crazy with the lists, but the lists don't do anything for me. They just, they just get it out on paper, but they don't make anything happen. So his ideas are a, you don't make a list of things to do. You make a list of your next actions and that list of next actions applies to your overall big list of projects or whatever. Okay. So I'm getting off topic here. Anyway, He's very action-oriented, and he has two philosophies that I really love, and one is if it takes less than two minutes to do, then fucking do it. So (laughs) if you have – you know, we've all got that shit sitting in our file about, oh, I got to call so-and-so, and and, even if it's a personal thing, oh, I got to make that call to get the car smogged or whatever, and we put it off, we put it off, we put it off, but then it comes up in your brain every once in a while, and it's a little bit of a stressor, right, because you're, oh, I got to do that. If you just – would worry about it again, right? Mm-hmm. In theory. So if it takes less than two minutes, do it, which I'm trying to live by. Um, and then secondarily, having your email specific inbox 
at zero every day. So you have all your folders for everything and you have to keep things and he doesn't suggest you just delete everything, but you put everything where it belongs and then anything that needs an action, you can have an action folder, but you got to keep that kind of limited, right? You got you to gotta really watch that. And so that every night, everything at the end of the day from your email has gone into its appropriate folder, you've already acted on it and responded, or it's an action that you have to take because maybe you're waiting for something or you, you know, there's something logistical about it you can't finish. And I've been doing it for about a week now. And God damn it, I think it's working, at least in giving me peace of mind. Am I more productive? Have I made more money for my company? Have I done, uh, you know, a thousand and one things better? No, but I have all the information where I need it. And, and secondarily, when you open up your email, I don't know about you, but I currently, or two weeks ago had, you know, 6,000 emails in there, and that's no joke, that I've accumulated and kept Mm -hmm. in my inbox. And so that's sort of daunting when you look at that, when it just kind of sucks your energy and trying to find anything and all that is very difficult. So I kind of declared email bankruptcy like two weeks ago, sorted everything, just put it in folders, archived a bunch of stuff. And for a hoarder of information, like I think I am, it was very difficult to do, but I've lived with it that way for two weeks. I'm at the end of every workday getting to zero-ish. There's about 20 things in my action folder at any one given time. So I feel like I've really conquered this battle. So that's my thing on it. What about you? Well, um, I did have this dilemma and I got on my, cause I have email at work and then I have personal email and personal email. Right. Is, they're like two different monsters completely. Right. Now at work, I know exactly where I'm getting my emails from. Pretty much. I know the people that send me email. I know, uh, what's junk and what's not. And so so I decided I would set up rules and I set up rules on all of the kinds of emails that I'll get from corporate, from different people, and they go into the different folders and then they're automatically sorted out of the inbox. So the only thing left in the inbox is stuff that doesn't meet the rules. And so then what I do is I have a search feature, search folder, which this is an automatic deal that outlook does and it shows me all the unread emails right and so then all i do is click show me the unread emails and then after i click through them click 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 they're they're gone (laughs) (laughs) but do you have a conscious awareness of something say something would happen tomorrow and Mm -hmm. your entire inbox got wiped clean well like would would the, that cause you great stress and n- nervousness? No, because all of those emails now reside on my computer, not in the inbox anymore. Well, what I'm I'm giving a metaphorical, oh. you know, oh my god, worst case scenario. Oh yes, I'd be freaking horrified because I have to sometimes go back uh, two years and go and, and you know and wave an email in someone's face, going, "You said." That the... So you have done a two-year thing. See, in my in my business yeah. and in my approach, I, at this point, it's been two weeks. I haven't had to look for anything. Now, you know, obviously, time will tell if that's the case. But you know, pretty much most of our email, most people yeah. deal with the very current 
two to three week past or present, right? Yeah. yeah. In, yeah. In, in my business, I may have to go in my paper archives that before I even got to the company, this area and right. pull things out to go, this is the way it used to be. And this is, and show kind of like a, what would you call that? A, a, the, the trail, you know, the historical, how did we go from here to here? How did we get here? And I'll have to recreate it like a, uh, you know, like one of those investigators <laughs> show how we did it. I was going to say, it's like forensic it, accounting or something. It is totally a forensic deal. Yeah. Well, and, your job is very specific. Yeah. Yeah. And that most folks like me just have, you know, whatever. It, it just, it's very liberating. So for, and I've had so many conversations with professionals as of late about what do you do at the end of the day and do you ever feel done? Yeah. Oh, I, I have to tell you this other thing. So here at home, I don't get email like I used to get email here. It's mostly junk. Right. I mean, most of my messages that are personal, quite honestly, are through Facebook and uh, very few uh, or or texting through iMessage. Some texties. Yeah, texties. Yes. <laughs> Everything. Mailsies and yes, Facebookies. No yeah. Facebookies. Yeah. Tweeties. Tweeties. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think all of those social media platforms have eliminated a lot of our personal email needs yeah. and that spam is the biggest personal email yeah everything is just like you know uh, groupon living social uh everything yes. that you could amazon wants to sell me something ebay wants to sell me something and i've been trying to sort that but gmail makes it a little difficult to sort it and delete it because they really show you everything right and that makes it sometimes it, it makes it easier to find things because they just use wonderful Google search to find it, but also adds more crap in your way. <laughs> right. So anyway, that, yeah, I don't want to get too much into this boring, you know, talk, work talk stuff, yeah. but it is important. I mean, we all have jobs that we have to function in. Right. And mm -hmm. it just feels like I'm functioning better. Well, good. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I'll have to probably I'll revisit it again and probably clear out my, Google inbox at home at some point because I'm sure it's better than 50% full with just junk. Just delete it all. No. No. Delete it. Then I'll get it. all my personal stuff, you know. That's not <laughs> happening. Okay, so we're on our last topic. I can't believe it. All right. Can you, can you believe it? So last thing here is this uh, uh, mystery envelope that I have here in my hand. <laughs> that we'll talk about. I, I have an, a letter that I got. So you have to describe the envelope. When did you get it? Yeah. I got it today. Okay. In the mail. Actually, it's not even for me. It's for my mom who lives in California, but it's here addressed. And so I'm going to open it anyways, even if that's, you know, some violation of protocol. But, but what is the federal law on that? It's addressed to her, but it came to your home. I, I know. Possession's nine-tenths of the law, right? I, it, I can open stuff on behalf of my mom. She gives me permission. And it's junk mail anyways. <laughs> it, and who is it from? It is from the Neptune Society. <laughs> now, do you remember those commercials? You know, I did. I remember vaguely, yes, <laughs> to people standing on the edge of the ocean. And, you know, that's, 
You know. So for anybody who doesn't know, we should let them know the Neptune Society does <laughs> burial at sea. Yes. And it's very expensive. We're going to find out. <laughs> and is that your mom's wish? I don't know why this came. I'm going to ask her about this. So here we go. You hear the envelope? Hold on. There it is. Okay. All right. Like, did she inquire about this and list you as a... She, she probably did. I don't know. So it, it's even pretty currently dated. Came with a little return envelope for if you want information. and uh, Response card? Yeah. <laughs> yeah resp- that's exactly it. Response Just card. Just check off that you will be attending and that you want the chicken. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Not the fish. Not the Neptune Society. You don't want the fish. Well, I, I'm going to read a little bit of this. It says, because it, if it's more morbid, even better, right? Right. Uh, it, it says, Dear Judd's mom, for a variety of reasons, more and more people are choosing to plan for a memorialized cremation over traditional funeral arrangements, and the numbers are increasing every year. Cremation just makes sense because it allows families to conduct simple personal services at their own convenience. Because, you know, death is kind of inconvenient. It allow it is much less expensive. It has less impact on the environment. <laughs> Sorry. It allows families to plan for a dignified resting place to memorialize their loved ones and provide closure. Simple, economic, dignified. It just makes sense. <laughs> so, so a, a lot of stuff here. It c- continues on and on. I, I was hoping that I was going to hear something more about, uh, you know, a, a burial at sea or something like that. But I don't. There's nothing really in here about that. And there's no costs associated with it, right? No. It says, "Win a prepaid cremation. Return this completed card today to be <laughs> Are entered." You I am not kidding. I'm not oh kidding. Oh my at all. gosh. Win a prepaid cremation. Yeah. Please include your phone number so we can call if your name is drawn. Last month's winner is Clyde Hartfield. <laughs> they even oh want my to... gosh. Yeah. Some limits apply. Tax and license may vary from state to state. <laughs> Crazy. So, anyways cremation well and i guess that neptune society cannot go about getting celebrity testimonials right like oh is that right be the, no so i'm saying anybody who would testimonial lies being buried at sea is already dead so well, they can't get osama bin laden to say the best way to go <laughs> is he a member like posthumously <laughs> is he a member Yes, I'm sure SEAL Team 6 coordinated his uh, final stuff with the Neptune Society. Secret members of the Neptune Society. (laughs) Well, you were a sailor. Would you want to be buried at sea? Um, No. (laughs) No. It's a very green way to dispose of your remains. I want a grave with... (laughs) With 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 a big stone with my name on it. It's probably people could cry at or piss on. <laughs> Either way, 
My reasoning for not wanting a, a sea burial, and this brings it around full circle, is that I would wash up and my remains would wash up on the on the shore of some Spanish aisle. And then people would think, oh, it's Nessie, the Loch Ness Bigfoot monster or whatever. And it would be all bad. They'd be, oh, this smelly carcass just washed ashore. I'm telling you. And then, of course, if you believe all of that reincarnation end of the world thing, right? You know about that. At at the day of the, right. the of the when the second coming or first coming yeah, you or won't whatever. Have any, nothing can rise up. That's right. You have to be. You have to have some bones. So, so I understand it. Although that you know cremation is kind of an interesting thing being Jewish because um, it really went out of vogue, if you want to call it vogue, due to the Holocaust. But prior, to, prior to the Holocaust, cremation actually was not was not uh, against yeah, right. against Judaic uh, principles. You know, and I have always believed that uh, cremation was okay. against the Jewish tradition. But it's not against Jewish tradition. It's against uh, the memory of the people who died in the Holocaust who were burnt alive in uh, in ovens. Fair. I mean, there's yeah, there's no. Um... There's no good way to make a comment about that. I, I, but, I know, but I mean, that's why there's lots of people going, oh, there's no no way I'm ever getting cremated after that Holocaust thing, you know? I, hey, I'm with you. I'm I'm one of those guys. I'm just like... Mm. I guess. This, is take, this whole con- conversation has taken a bad turn, so maybe we should wrap wait, it up. Wait, wait hold on. I, I will say this, as far as cremation goes. My great uncle, who served in World War II, Jewish guy, is cre- cremated, and his remains are interned at Arlington National Cemetery. Well, it's interesting in so much as I recently lost a family member and having to go through the cremation process because that was his wish. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually have to have permit to be cremated in the state of California, and it takes seven days to get that done, which is just interesting. And And in all the ways – that every tea party, tea bagger, conservative is screaming about, please get the government out of my life. Um, let's get the government out of our death, right? Like, why do we need a permit with the state to cremate someone as their final wish? That just seems a little strange to me. Yeah, that does. I mean, I understand autopsies and the thing, you know, if there's foul play, but if there's none, it should be. And I absolutely un- understand the environmental impact of, you know, you just can't toss your carcass onto the curb, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that is it is crazy. <laughs> well, on that happy note. Okay, so so we started off on hypnosis. We talked about lexicons and selfies and all that jazz. Panties. Panties, yes. Um, <laughs> Shark Week. <laughs> the week that was. <laughs> Manning gets thirty-five years. Some great movies. iPhones. That was the megalodon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Inbox Zero. And uh, I'm going to be a virgin. <laughs> that's a good thing. Could be a good thing. You'll have to let me know. <laughs> Before I'm cremated. <laughs> yes. And then finally, yes, in the mystery envelope. I should find mystery envelopes that would be for the next time. <laughs> that would be very funny. That would be funny. It'd be a good segment. I think so. All right. Well, for TJ Talks, I am Judd. And I'm Teresa. And we will definitely be talking to you later. Talk to you later.
Nobody should have access to the public. Everybody in the public is screwed up. We should just know that. 